This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home Sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. This episode is a series that we really just made for YouTube, but works just fine in a podcast format other than me referring to video over and over again. But uh, you should be able to follow along just fine if you're listening to the audio. If you do want to see us get into it, then check us out on YouTube. Enjoy. Hey, Wheel of Time fans. This is Steven, your favorite quadriplegic booktuber and host of Phantology Podcast. With the first in a series of videos, we're going to be doing explaining bad takes from the Wheel of Time TV show. And if you've seen this series of videos, I hope that you tune into this one first. I'm going to be doing kind of ground rules for what we are attempting to do here, explain some of the impetus, explain what we want it to be and what we don't want it to be. And really the goal here with this first video is to try to mitigate any toxicity that may come from doing this. We know we are putting ourselves out there, but we also know that uh, this seems like a cause that we want to get behind. So you probably know that Wheel of Time is a TV show that started this fall. Uh, you may or may not know that there is a pretty large and growing voice of discontent among a lot of really hardcore fans. They found their home in the White Cloak subreddit and more recently on a pretty large YouTube channel called The Night's Watch that is led by Shad, who's a pretty big YouTuber. And we don't want to get into any like personal attacks or anything like that, so please don't do that against us, don't do that against um, anyone else who may be out there saying bad things about the show. It's totally within your rights to say you don't like the show. If you don't like it, we're not trying to do that. Uh, but we, what we are trying to do here is explain that some of the takes that we've seen get really popular just don't really jive with us as much and we'd like to give our opinion on why these takes are not nearly as valid as some of the uh, larger groups here are claiming them to be. Before I get into too much, and this video is not going to be discussing any specific takes, but in our series that are coming out later with myself and Jake and Josh, we're gonna be breaking down a bunch of these things. This is just the intro. And before we do any of that, I do want to apologize, and I hope that this comes across sincerely. So this is an apology to the Night's Watch channel, because after watching one of their videos, I made a bad mistake and commented with some rhetoric and language that was really not appropriate and not representative 
of who I am and what my feelings are. Uh, at the time, I was just frustrated. So I hope that if you guys are watching Night's Watch, I hope you take this as a sincere apology. I really do mean it. I, I want the, these discussions to be productive as much as internet discussions back and forth can. And I, I think that that comment that I made was really not representative of what we're trying to do really kind of undermines, I think, a lot of uh, some of the things we are going to try to argue for. So please, like, I do sincerely apologize. And uh, I hope that we can just kind of put that one behind us. And if you want to make any comments or react to any of our videos, please just respond to the comments we're making and leave any like personal stuff out of it. We would really just appreciate that. Along that vein, if you're watching, really just a plea for civility here as much as we can on the internet. I know this is probably ridiculous to think that this is gonna happen, but again, the point of this is to mitigate any blowups as much as possible. Look, myself and the rest of Phantology, we are five real people. We do this on the side. We are passionate about this, but we have lives. We are real people, so don't come after us, please. Like, we are entitled to our opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. We are definitely, like, we are disagreeing with a lot of things that are out there. If you still disagree, totally fine, but let's try to talk about it in a positive and constructive way. Please no personal attacks either way. Like, if you're supporting us and want to further some of the arguments, do so in a nice way. Just be civil, please. Please, 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 as much as you can be civil. So what can you expect in the rest of the series? We're going to be breaking down individual arguments. We are going to be playing some videos from the Night's Watch, and we don't want to necessarily call out this one specific channel, but it is the largest and most vocal, and they have a lot of arguments that we've seen recurring on the White Cloak subreddit, so it just makes sense. And uh, we, you know, we're not trying to be overly antagonistic towards these guys. We don't know them in real life. We don't want to assume anything too negative, right? But this is just the easiest way for us to actually frame our discussion and arguments about a lot of these points that we've seen. So we're gonna be playing some videos that their reactions are pretty long. So we're not going to play entire bits of their argument. We're not doing that to try to take things out of context. We'll try to pull clips that we believe are most representative of what they're trying to say. And you know, if we cut some stuff and you, you're interested in knowing what their longer discussion is, you definitely you know, feel free to go check out their channel. On the other hand, uh, we do think that some of the things they're saying are, are offensive at times, so we're not going to play their entire arguments uh, to avoid platforming things that we don't necessarily stand for on our channel. I think our responses are gonna be divided up into three main general ways of responding. The first is that, okay, that is a point that you're making. However, it really just comes down to complaining that it's different than the books and you don't like the difference from the books. And a lot of these points are like, it doesn't make sense because of the book canon and things work in a different way, yet you're doing this in the show so it shouldn't work. Some of our arguments are gonna be like, well, actually it still does work for these reasons. And some arguments may be like, well, the show is different and you can say you don't like the difference between the show and the book, but that doesn't mean the show sucks just for making it different. 
So that's that type of argument. Like you have to just get past the book differences. And that's what Brandon Sanderson struggled with. He did a recent video with himself and Dan Wells where he said he had to divorce himself from the books. And we have no reason to think that Sanderson is lying to us. He said explicitly on his review, or not his review, but his discussion here, that he was not under an NDA and that was important to him because he wants to be able to speak his mind, which makes sense because he's listed in the credits as a creative director, I believe, and he wants to do things in Hollywood. So if he's involved in something that stinks, he wants to be able to say it stinks. So we believe him when he says that he is enjoying it and he has some criticisms. And you know what? We have criticisms too. We don't. Sh we do not think the shows are perfect. We are not being paid by Amazon or anything like that. We are just trying to defend the show against some more outlandish arguments that we're seeing pop up more and more. Criticism number two, or category of criticism, is that Rafe has an agenda and is trying to push that on us as much as possible, and that is really getting away from the books. And these criticism types of criticisms really all kind of come together to some extent, but the main thing that Rafe has said in regards to agenda is, well, you know, he's admitted he has an agenda. And the thing that he said is, and, and I shouldn't take this, I don't want to take this out of context, so uh, this is something you should look up or perhaps we will link to it. But he said that he felt that at the time of writing the books, Robert Jordan was very progressive. And therefore, one of the things he wanted to do in making this show was to also be progressive, but then take that progressiveness and move it into the 2020s out of you know the, the progression that Robert Jordan was doing in the late 90s and early 2000s. So that's what Rafe has been on record uh, as saying. He said some other things as well, but we're just going to focus on that. And you know you can really pick apart some things, but but I think that's like the most explicit thing that he said in regards to the show with what he's trying to do. That's debatable. You can you can say that no, Robert Jordan would not have wanted to go as progressive as as the show is going. And I think that's a legitimate argument. There's no way to know because unfortunately he's passed away. However, I don't think that all of the arguments that are made along this vein are valid because I feel that some are in more uh, just not good faith arguments. Arguments where people are seeing things and saying this is different and it's progressive and therefore it's an agenda that's trying to be shoved down my throat. And I think there are examples of this where actually it still does work in the show and maybe it's just a character trait that the character is portraying in them being progressive and maybe they're wrong in what they're saying. The characters specifically um, is what I mean here. So I think a lot of these that we're going to be breaking down are reactions to what we're calling more bad faith arguments where people are saying something and just really letting it get under their skin because it's not necessarily exactly how they align with seeing the books. And there's a lot of similarities here, again, with seeing the books versus seeing the show. And then the third type of argument is the production quality stinks. They have a huge budget. They wasted it on this stuff. They're taking all this time and putting in stuff that doesn't matter, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't look good. The costumes stink. The visual effects stink. All this type of stuff. 
I don't know if we have as much to say on this because we have no experience with like actual costuming or set production or visual effects, but I think people do get a little nitpicky here as well because there's a lot of details we don't know. Even though the budget is large here, it's not nearly as large as a movie. For example, like the reported number that we've seen thrown around a lot is $100 million. And most movies have budgets around like 200 million. So that's twice the budget for like a third of the hours here. So you can expect a movie to look a lot better. And there were a lot of issues that the, the crew ran into. The, the biggest thing obviously being COVID, right? COVID really threw a wrench into what they were doing. And the other big thing was the Matt recasting, which was very unfortunate. And from six episodes, it does look like that is going to be fundamentally altering what they're doing towards the end of the season. So those two things are both messing up their plan and their budget. Like they spent a lot of money trying to do this during COVID and it backed up their production time and all of this, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it's still TV and there's a lot of things they have to deal with. So while we're not going to break down the quality argument quite as much, just because I don't think we have as much evidence to really point to anything, I don't like it when people get so, I guess, act like experts here and saying that the show sucks and, and they know exactly how the budget was wasted, etc. Like, we don't know. It's This is very much just details that are tied into the show. And I would like to kind of look at this in a more positive way and say that they are doing the best they can under difficult circumstances, adapting a huge series into a smaller number of seasons than books and dealing with a lot of things where, like in the books, for example, you have a character who's important in the first book and then they're gone for a while and they come back again. And that's not possible to do in a TV show because you have to tie down actors and all, all kinds of things. Like it is, it is just ludicrous to think that the books are going to be adapted exactly the way that they were written. It's just not possible on screen for so many reasons. So that's going to be the basis of what we're doing here. Um, I hope that this doesn't get into any, any toxicity, right? If that's one thing you take away from this intro video, just like this is me, Steven, as a person saying, we want to make these series of videos because we like the show. We like the series. We're big fans. We're passionate about this. We have criticisms about the show. We are not shills for the show. Like there are things that could be better. I really believe that. But I also believe that they did, the crew is, are, are big fans of the books and they wanted to represent it and they're representing the heart of what it is. So please don't come after us. We're trying to do our best here as fans. And if we make mistakes in details, just respond and like let us know what your opinion is. That's fine. If you wanna make reaction videos, that's fine. Please, please keep it away from any personal levels and attacks and bombing of anything like that. Like let's all be civil here. We are all fans of the Wheel of Time, and I think that unifies unifies us more than it divides us. So uh, we'll see how these go. Um, if they're well received, we'll we'll just keep on making more. Uh, but for now, I guess tune into the rest of the playlist. All right, what's up, my R slash White Cloaks community out there? This is Steven, your host from Phantology. With me are my lifelong friends Jake and Josh, 
and we are breaking down a bunch of bad arguments about the Wheel of Time TV show. Uh, there's a big subreddit community out there that is actively trying to destroy the show, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. That is 100% what their stated mission is. And uh, as fans of the show, we don't think the show is perfect, but uh, we would like to just say that some of these arguments are a little bit out there, but I think we're ready to start with plot holes, right? Yep. Or supposed claimed, claimed plot holes. Claim, claimed plot, hole, plot holes. And also the framing for this is really important. So let me reiterate, you know, we don't want to be taken out of context and we want this to be a good faith conversation and as much as that can happen on the internet. Yeah, I mean, we're probably stupid to think that people, everyone's going to love this, but uh, it's important enough for us to do this because there's not enough reaction to this community that is like trying to destroy the yeah. show. Guys, I mean, let's just put it out there. This is the one Wheel of Time adaption we're going to get in our lifetime, probably, you know? So we might as well, if you don't like it, then just leave, right? <laughs> don't watch it. Yeah, but. and I feel like just the fundamental issue with all of this is just the way that it's approached, like everything is horrible and garbage and should be thrown away. And it's all just a bunch of a heaping pile of trash. And like, there are positive things here. And like, yes, you can look at things in a negative way, or you could say like, oh, maybe it's different. And then that's like, that's okay. Maybe it's not all like an attack on what you love. It's just a different way of looking at it. And uh, I mean, that's kind of a, uh the way the internet goes though, you know, this exaggeration. And so we're really going to try sure, to, sure. to like, rain me past, in, Jake. Rain me in. well, I'm not saying rain you in. we're going to look, try to look past the exaggerations we see and look at the actual arguments and, you know, the, there are criticisms. The show isn't perfect. The books aren't perfect. And we're going to dive in and just try to evaluate, okay, how valid or invalid are these arguments? Yeah. these criticisms so. yeah and we we have plenty of things that we would have liked to see differently and uh, i think yeah. overall we like the show uh we're not posting on the subreddit but uh <laughs> yeah also the way that we're going to frame our conversation today is around a response to the night's watch videos that uh popular youtuber shad posts to his uh, from shadiversity shadiversity shadiversity's main channel he has a second channel yeah. night's watch where they basically review shows. I think it started as like uh, talking about games, but it turned into more TV and movies. And, and so um, we are planning on doing more responses to our white cloaks and having this be kind of a series, but most of our conversation today is going to be centered around uh, things that they said in that video. And first of all, we think that that's still a pretty fair representation of most of what we see on our white cloaks whenever we visit the sub. And also it's just a, it's, it's kind of a consolidated place that arguments are made that we can pull from. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. For sake of putting a video together, this is the easiest way to do it. Okay. So let's stop yeah. boring people with the rules yeah. and start going, right? <laughs> okay. So to get started, we'll uh, share a clip um, from. So it's mostly around episode five and six criticisms so far for uh, what we're doing. And this one is about the, well, actually this is from episode four. This is the whole thing around shielding Loghain. Actually undermines a lot of the, the structure of that episode, which is not good, okay? Um, and a lot of the episode, like the Aes Sedai camp stuff, mm -hmm. is structured around the difficulty in keeping Loghain shielded. Yep. All right? They, ha they were able to do something so easily throughout the entire episode, which would have solved it, 
and they established that they could do it and knew how to do it at the end of the episode, and it's linking. Huh. You're right. You could just <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> All the ice that I need to do is link and bang. Shield on, not a problem. Yeah, so having three of them yeah. all, or two of them at all times. Alright, that's that's good enough, right? Okay, so okay. again, they go on to talk more about this, and if you want the full context, watch their video. We're sincerely doing good faith effort not to take them out of context, but we're reviewing almost five hours worth of video, so we can't put the whole context in there, what they say. So So yeah. yeah. So watch watch their video, like for sure watch their video, make sure we're not taking them out of context. Um just to summarize, so they're saying kind of a plot hole why like why were they talking about how hard how hard it was to shield low game and then at the end they just link and they're easily able to shield him because they're linking it's like well why didn't they do this at the beginning um thoughts josh like where do you yeah what do you think yeah. about this so for one i was surprised at how much this took down like when chad quote unquote realized it it took he said it took a lot of enjoyment out of episode four which he had previously said was his favorite one and on the face value, like there, there is a point that they could have shielded low game, but they could have linked to have more power. Yeah, they could have linked to link to have more power to shield low game. But, and this might get into some light spoilers from the books. We're going to try and keep it pretty spoiler free, but we might explain mm-hmm. some of the mechanics of linking and the power system that hasn't really been explored in the show. So, for one, let's talk about. Loghain tricked them into thinking that they could shield him with two people, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, is, is my reading that he probably yeah, could have broken out at any time, but he was waiting for his army to get there to surprise them. So yeah. this was Loghain yeah. fooling the Aes Sedai that they had him, that they had him like beat. Yeah, it for, it for sure seemed like he... Uh, I mean, I don't... Like, wow. Possibly. Oh, okay. I, mean, I mean, he also could have been legitimately shielded and then it was... When they were distracted, he was able to break out. But yeah, maybe. it okay. could have it could have been way. that. It could have been. I wasn't. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm sold on it was a conscious effort on Logan's part to trick them, or if it was. You know, he's captured. He's not really going to like make a ton of effort. Um, but then when he sees his uh, army is there, then he's like, "Oh, for sure, now I'm doing it." Like maybe he was waiting, just kind of prodding the weaknesses of the shield. Um, but I think the key point is the, the, I said, I like, they, they weren't really struggling shielding him. They did say, wow, this guy's super strong. It requires like two of us at a time to shield him, but they had a grasp on it. They didn't feel like we need reinforcements right away because he, this is too big of a risk. It, the situation mm-hmm. was the, I said, I felt like we have Logan, we have him shielded. Things are okay. He's stronger than we would have imagined, but things are okay. So that, that alone right there uh, makes me think that they wouldn't automatically think we need to link because that's the only way to stop him right now. And the, the next main point is that linking, um, for one, puts one sister in a ton of power. And in yeah. the books and in the show, we can see that these Aes Sedai don't trust each other like implicitly. If they would have had Leandrin linked, they might have thought that she would, uh, that she would gentle him straight away because she had expressed that desire and there's and it also would um weaken them to an outside attack like if they would have all been linked when that army attacked then they would have had to pick either continuing the shield or facing the army without any channelers so like yeah way, to, to, to explain the the mechanics of linking for those who aren't fully 
aware of it, um, you kind of join forces. So like if Steven, uh, Josh and I can all channel, you know, yeah, let's we'll link, link now. We'll link multi-headed dragon. Uh-huh. Even though it, the linking is different for men and women. Um, but we'd link. So I would give my power to Steven. Josh would give his power to Steven. But Thank then you. Josh and I, Josh and I don't control the weaves at all. All we are doing is funneling our power to Steven. Steven would then have to make all the decisions of what's happening. And I think, so the issue there is it's a huge plot point in the books. And, and it seems like they're developing, developing this in the show as well, that the Aes Sedai, like there's political factions within them. They're not always on the same page. And so there's this distress, like who would they choose to be the person leading the linking, you know? And then mm-hmm. to Josh's point, if they were ambushed, all those other sisters, Aes Sedai, who were giving their power to someone else, they wouldn't be able to do anything to stop anybody else unless they stopped the linking, which would then ruin the shielding. Yeah. So all in all, having a basic understanding of book mechanics, like this is yeah. not an issue, right? Yeah. I think about, I think upon further examination, this is like one of those things that at first is like, wait, why didn't they just do this? And then it's not explicitly stated why in the show, but I think. But you can't upon, do that. You, you can't sit down and over explain literally every decision. Right? Yeah, you, yeah. You really can't. You really that's, can't. And that's the frustrating thing is this is coming from big book fans who are saying like, this is how this doesn't make sense because the books wouldn't work this way. But I mean, Jake just explained how linking actually works, but yes, the show didn't explain that because that's terrible TV to explain all of that. Like no one wants to watch that except on YouTube, hopefully. (laughs) So (laughs) this is just terrible content. You would produce that. (laughs) Just this double standard here. And and I think, I think it really is one of those things where all the clues are there to be explained in the show, but it isn't, it isn't like told to you. I think it's shown. You see when they're linking, you see them giving their power, you know, and you see that they are like, they weren't super nervous about holding Loghain there. You know, they felt pretty confident with their situation. He's shielded. He's good. They're like, whoa, he's strong, but he's good. So I think all those clues upon like another look, I honestly think um, after hearing this, if Shad were to rewatch the episode, he would agree with us. Um, so I'm going to say this, this uh, plot hole is debunked on is my this end. Myth, this is Mythbusters now? We just turned into <laughs> Mythbusters? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So I, I think it's 100% debunked. I think in show canon, in book canon, this makes sense. And to be clear, not all these plot holes we're going to be able to completely debunk. And and there are going to be plot holes in any piece of media. Yeah. Right? So we'll come up to a few here. But that was an easy, it's not really a plot hole. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, time jump and consistency. Uh, t- well, time jumps are unnecessary and break the consistency of the show. Changing it to Tarvolin, all right? When I, I knew that they were going to do, go from Tarvolin just from like an image of the next episode. It's like, oh, they're going to be in Tarvolin next episode. That's jumping forward a bit. And at first I was like, they better show the the time it takes because mm. in the book it takes ages to travel across this world it's a big world and like it takes months months sorry not just a month sometimes months to get from like where they are all the way to friggin tarvolin well even if it did but, we okay, wouldn't know because i just skipped there well no they like i was worried that they weren't even going to say one month later right, that they're just going to te- basically like sure, teleport because yeah. those world is big they needed but okay they did that good but 
they do realize that opens up a whole nest of issues because a month has passed. A lot of stuff happens in a month. A lot of friggin' stuff happens in a month. Like they grow hair, they shave it on the road. By this time, Perrin should be a friggin' converted tinker or something by now. He's been living with the tinkers for a month, hearing them preach way of the leaf. Yeah, all like, that crap. Matt should be wholly, like, just gone right now. Like, just uh, uh, have a note. What do you, th do you guys, are you guys aware what's causing Matt's thing at the Is moment? The, the dagger that's. The... You think it's the dagger? Didn't he get touched by a thingy? He was throwing up stuff before it was the... So, so alright, you know that he's like, got some type of dark thing from Shadow yeah. yeah, yeah, it looked like the exact same stuff. Yeah, so you, you put... It's, it's obvious, you can put one together, this isn't a spoiler. Yeah. You're right, okay? Mm. Uh, a month has passed. In the book, he'd be completely... He'd be dead. He'd be a goner. He's been dealing with this for a month. Mm. Alright, I think that's good enough for there. Okay, this one... A lot... Yeah. Kind of a lot to, to take in. I... So his biggest issue is they they are like condensing the world, making the world smaller than it is. Things are like they're not so, logistically so correct. So, like a Game I, of Thrones season eight reaction yeah. or something. So I, I don't think we can address the change from uh, from Camelin to Tarvalon. Like that's a whole separate issue that we can't really go into here, right? Yeah. Because uh -huh. the ramifications of that are important, and I'm not saying they're not important. But like that's not what we came here. That's not what we're discussing right here. We're just right. We'll go to that later. Yeah. So I found a resource. It's stevenack.net. It's on. It's on that site. We might link it in the description. But this uh -huh. is cool. It has a day by day breakdown of the best he could do of you know uh, putting together what happens in uh, the course of I think all the books, not even just I of the world. Pretty impressive. But very impressive, yeah. So full, full, um, you know, shout out to this guy. Yeah. And we find out when you count up the days that it took them 27 days to travel from Shadar Logoth to Camelin, which is, do you want to go ahead, Jake? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I just have which, a thought. <laughs> which, which doesn't line up perfectly because there was um, some time, we don't know quite how long from them traveling from uh from in the show from traveling from Shadar Logoth to Breen Spring. And then mm -hmm. um, it took them and then traveling from Breen Spring to, to Tarvalon. Like we don't know exactly how we assume that was about a month between Breen Spring and Tarvalon. Cause that's when it said one month mm -hmm. later. Yeah. So there are some unaccounted for days. I'm not saying this lines up perfectly. Or even, even past Breen Spring. Cause it was the, it was the, like after they passed El, the Grinwell, Grinwell, Grinwell Farm, right? Farm. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, yes. Sorry. So that's even that's even beyond uh, yeah. Green Spring, and you could kind of line that up. That was pretty close to Camelin in yeah. the in the books. So we we can we can uh, we, we have a map from the show that they have that that for reference. But either way, a month is not a crazy amount of time, and Matt survived for a month with the dagger in the books. Like he had the dagger that was fully like, right. feeding on him, <laughs> making him evil. Like you know, doing all that for 27 days in the box. But the claim is that he would be fully dead after a month. Yeah. So yeah, I think the claim of him being fully dead after a month that it like there's no there's no like hard details in the books about that. Like you you don't know. Like I think Moraine says when she finds him, she's like, if he had had that any longer, you know, like who knows what like whether the healing would have been able to. But you don't know. Like it's a it's a huge unknown. And so to see this broken down, that he does basically survive a month. I think, honest, I think a month in the in Randland is like fifty days, actually. So I don't know, but uh, twenty-seven days Earth Earth month. Um, anyways, 
I just thought that was interesting. My my whole thing here is, yeah, it does. It seems like it takes them a month to get to Camelin. Tarvalon is like uh, that far again, though. So maybe they do mean Randland month when they say month in the show, like closer to 50 days. I could remem- be remembering that wrong. I just remember they have like weeks or 10 days. And but um, but so I like I do think there could be some like time crunching happening um and they could be like shrinking the world a little bit which i could see as like a big fan of the book that's like can be kind of soul crushing because you're like part of the love of the wheel of time is all like how big and expansive and detailed the world is but at the same time it's a tv show i don't want to see i don't want to see every town rand and matt or yeah rand and matt's passed by and stayed in because I mean, I would love to see that honestly myself, but that isn't going to catch new viewers. People aren't right. going to people aren't going to watch two episodes of Rand and Matt <laughs> going to new towns. Right, and, they and, need and Jake, to do things. And, and guess what? Cutting cutting that out or moving the story on isn't showing contempt for the show or contempt for the source material. It's adapting it from book to screen. Which yeah, you, and I mean, look at look at the Lord of the Rings yeah. adaptation. Like, and I know we're going to get say, somebody saying, well, they could have cut Steppen storyline and added some of that in and not, we're not, we'll, we'll, we'll right get now. to, we'll but, get to Steppen later. <laughs> but, but bottom line is a, it's more, it's, it lines up like pretty well with the books. It's not perfect, but they would also have to say like, it took 37 days if it was going to be exactly perfect. And what does it matter for like, all we're seeing is text on the screen that says one month later. And everyone's hair is longer and they look more I think I think you're saying that he should be dead according to the books. When even that, if they extend yeah, it out. That's the, that's the plot hole. Even if they slow yeah, that's the plot hole that I think he's pointing out. And so yeah, maybe they theoretically like slowed the rate of uh, attack by the dagger by you know 30%. At this I, yeah, I mean we Shatter Logoth is such an unknown, like we really don't know. If that's the plot hole, um, that is the claim here. I think there's just too much not known and and like the way to get around it is like you said they changed it in the in the show to be like it takes longer and i think slower rate of corruption like and it <laughs> and that's it gonna ruin your real time experience that then that doesn't affect the plot of the show to me you still have for someone who's never read the books you still have this sense of urgency like matt is getting mm-hmm. sicker and sicker we don't know why. I really like how they did it in the show, making it like maybe he can channel. Is that why? Like adding this mystery to it. The, the only other thing I would say is he mentions um, that like he's glad they said the one month later to emphasize the time. To me, that is just like a personal preference. It seemed like there's a lot of opinion in here of like what someone would prefer to happen in the adaptation, what wouldn't, with the only real plot hole being the a lot of opinion a lot of opinion yeah so which fine you can have an opinion about it yeah that's fine like Like, we we don't want to crush other people's opinions yeah but but your opinion shouldn't yeah and and multiple times in the in this it said these are factual things that like make the show a worse show when Mm -hmm. for you they might be but like for me i don't really care that the rate of corruption from the dagger was 30 percent slower i care that they portrayed the events more or less like accurately had yeah. television yeah I, it's yeah, a tv I don't know. show it's not a book anymore it's different i don't i don't know how you could say this is really a plot hole to me it seems more just a a big change it's a plot cha- uh, well, or a change not, a minor not, change i think not, maybe not a plot. well i just mean like in terms yeah. of um 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about big, but it's just a change. That's what it is to me. It's not a plot hole. It still works mechanically within the rules of this new Wheel of Time TV show. It may not work within the rules of the books, but... We got a lot more to cover, guys. So I think we're going to have to move through this a little bit faster. Well, I don't think we have any more plot holes, right? We're going to... So we're going to wrap this... We're going to wrap this episode. And then in the next one, we're going to talk about why the show is too woke and Rafe has an agenda and is actually trying to destroy it, right? Don't, don't we have like land being too emotional, like going teleporting, Andrew and having your land? Oh, is that, I guess that's in the, <laughs> a little preview yeah, we'll, to the next episode. <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to that the next That was intentional. Anyway, uh, drop some comments. <laughs> let us know what plot holes you would like us to talk about or debunk or whatever. Or I don't know, just let us know your general yeah. thoughts on. We and, and join discord. If you, if, if you want to uh, suggest things, then jump on our Discord. But do it in a nice way. If do it you in want a nice to come way. on and blow things up, we, then please we, don't. We should mention, we should mention that we will be modding people. If if this finds people that are going to come in and like have bad faith arguments, and I we really like the culture of our Discord, and we're going to preserve that. Yeah, if you want to bring some negativity yeah. to us, drop it in a YouTube comment. We love it. Yeah, it YouTube the comments. algorithm. That's mm-hmm. you know, it's like. I'm absorbing more of the give us that the, give us that thumbs down. That's what we want. Yeah. The tendrils of Mashadar. I'm just soaking it all up. Yeah, let the <laughs> let the negativity rain on YouTube. And if yeah. you want to have a constructive conversation, feel free to join Discord. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. All right, what's up, R slash White Cloaks? This is our second episode covering specific criticisms, bad criticisms. We're gonna say of the Wheel Allegedly of Time TV show. Bad. Uh, allegedly, well, make up to your be, own mind. Make yeah, up your own mind, discovered. please. Yeah, uh, our opinions are apparently obvious, but uh, let's get into this content. So this one specifically is going to be talking about why the show is too woke and Rafe has an agenda and Ragnar is actively trying to destroy the show. And if you understand what we're saying, you have been deep on our white cloaks, our enchanted videos. Um <laughs> So, so first let me, uh, and people might click off this because I'm going to give a little disclaimer here. Uh, we might talk about some things regarding like people's sexuality and preferences and like gender. Um, I don't think, well, we might get into race, but probably not. And we are three cis white men. So we might not be, you know, the best source to talk about these things. Cause we do, you know, that's the experience that we're coming at this from. Um, there's a lot of amazing voices out there that are not just cis white men that you should go and seek out. I know Mains of the Spear is going to be on. on with, they've already been on Dusty Wheel at this oh, point. Oh, did they go on Dusty? Well, I think they're going on it again soon to talk about like gendered souls, which we're we're not going to get into this episode. And Jake, Jake, when do you get your invite back to Dusty Wheel? Oh, I don't know. That was such an honor, <laughs> though. Freaking love anyway, that. so so yeah, we're just yeah, putting yeah. We're just putting it out there that like we're going to address this hopefully respectfully but we're not claiming to speak for other people and this is obviously yeah. our experiences hope to do it yeah and and we'll we're going to watch some clips of what uh the night's watch say um and their opinions and their critiques um you know there's from my perspective there's some you know homophobic and sexist things in there and so if that's not something you guys want to watch you can skip that part of the video and we'll just discuss it not in real detail and we we tried to get clips that represented the crux of their argument 
but didn't get too into um, mm -hmm. explicit homophobia because we don't really want to platform those things. Um, yeah. But just just take care. If you do go on their video, you might see some of that stuff. Um, and we're not condoning that at all. Yeah, I think I think what Josh is trying to say is like, we're not people who should like, <laughs> we don't really have that worldview to um, be able to understand the ins and outs of that other than understanding that what we've seen here is uh, seems pretty offensive. And there's lots of good places to look into deconstructing, you know, why and everything. But yeah, I think we can just get into it though. And our opinion on the Wheel of Time is it's doing a really good job of lifting up some of these voices. And it's somewhat offensive to us that there are other groups that are actively trying to tear down the show because it's doing a good thing for yeah. a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into it though. <laughs> All right, so this first one is from uh, Night's Watch, Will of Time, episode six. Whole show is an extremist feminist's uh, wet dream, okay? Yep. And the thing is, what I find amazing about this is that the showrunner said he wants to make sure that his feminist sensibilities are portrayed in the show, which yep. means that they are absolutely making this show to... Uh, push a message. It's not about making a good show. It's not about being true to the source material, showing respect. They are hijacking someone else's work of art to uh, push a subversive and destructive message to society because... All right. <laughs> okay, there's a... <sighs> Just like, do you so believe that? Like hijacking the show to push your own message? like? Do you really believe that's what they're doing with this show? Well, yeah, a lot of people do, Stephen. So we're going to have to address this. You know, <sighs> it's just disappointing. So I think I think first of all, there's a lot of misconception in in a lot of that. Um, I'd first off like to say, like calling any sort of ideology you don't agree with as subversive. You know, like how is that? Yeah. So so let's I'm not adequately so, express. So, <laughs> so let's bring up the fact that they do some pretty uncharitable um, descriptions of what they see feminism as in this, in this episode, which I don't feel like adequately um, give a good depiction of what feminism yeah. is from what let's, I understand. Let's just, let's just define feminism is just asking for equal rights, regardless of um, sex or gender. Right. So. Yeah. And, and they defined it differently in the, in yeah. the episode, which I, I don't really want to get into, but um, from what the show has done, <laughs> I, I think that there are some elements of what a modern interpretation of what feminism would be in the show. So I'm not saying yeah. that the show is not pushing a quote unquote feminist agenda. Um, I also think, agenda. I think that Wheel of Time, the books also push a feminist agenda. Mm -hmm. um, and so the fact that the show is pushing a feminist agenda and that the books push a feminist agenda line up for me. Um, and it's not yeah. a huge issue. And yeah, I, it really bothered me when he said that it's hijacking someone else's work of art um, for a couple of reasons. Um, and if I'm talking too much, Stephen, you can jump in. But uh, first of all, like you were saying, Wheel of Time, when it came out, was pushing a more feministic or feminist view of um, what was like the standard fantasy of the time. Um, Robert Jordan tried to make it progressive for the time, and it was progressive for the time it came out. I know there's a quote from Rafe saying 
some of the changes they've made have made the show more progressive than the books were when they came out starting in the 90s. And his mm-hmm. rationale for that was Robert Jordan wanted it to be progressive for its era. And now we're in a new era. So he's continuing that spirit of progressiveness. Yeah. And if we can find, yeah. if we can find that clip, actually, I'm going to, let's add it in here in post. Yeah. So we'll play, we'll play that right now. Well, it's interesting. I think, I mean, I think the book series is so much about gender. You know, it's not about women or men as much as it is about gender and, and the balance between things. Um, and I don't know, when you read it, it feels like it's tackling some pretty modern issues of gender, uh, for me at least when I read it. And so the ones that we're doing on the show, I think are all from the books. Like they're all things that are that are in there and that you see, I feel like it, it's not as hard for us as other book series um, from the past are to adapt because they actually still feel quite modern today. Um, You know, and I think that there's ways in which gender dynamics and something that might have felt feminist at that time doesn't feel feminist today. Um, And so I think as long as you stay true to the intention of like, this was meant to be a feminist thing, we should make it feel like that today for these pieces of it. that that's really good, but we're always approaching it as a story. Like every time they try to reposition stuff as it's like, this is about women and power. I'm like, no, it's actually about balance between the genders. And I think that's much more interesting and much more important. And and I think uh, an even more modern message than a lot of shows are tackling now is like, the books are ultimately about finding that balance. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's super interesting. It's one of the things that excited me about doing this show today. And my, my part two to that is hijacking someone else's work of art. You have um, Harriet, who is um, an executive producer on the show. Harriet's Robert Jordan's wife and the editor of the books. Yeah, so she was the editor of the book. She worked really closely with Robert Jordan on getting these books. Like she understands the Wheel of Time. She was the one who was coaching Brandon Sanderson as he finished the books to make sure he got the wheel of time right and he understood it well enough to finish it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she is there, she's consulting on the show. She's having her input. If this really was something that was way out of the spirit, Robert Jordan intended uh, hijacking his work of art. I'm pretty sure she would have big words to say about that. So those yeah. are my two points. My two yeah, thoughts. It's like Rafe got hired on to do this. I'm sure Look, we don't know a whole lot about what, how this actually happened, but I think you can like pretty rationally put together that there was some partnership here between team Jordan and everyone involved there and Rafe and Amazon. And like everyone was on, I'm sure everyone was on board here with what was going on. Maybe not every single word that was said by every character was approved by everyone. Right. But the main ideas of what was going to happen, the changes that were going to be made, it's all gotta be, it's, it's gotta be greenlit by everyone. So so Jake, just let me give you a response that they, that they give in the video so that we make sure that they're, we're adequate. Mm -hmm. They, they say uh, multiple times in the books, it has a healthy um, relationship between men and women are working together in society. And there's a lot of equality in the fact, like in the two rivers or in Edmund field, you have the wisdom, you have the women's circle, women's circle village council. And granted in the show, they didn't really depict the the village council. They didn't say there wasn't one, but they didn't, you didn't show it on screen, which. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. There are some things like this that, that make it look like women in the show version might have more power than, than men. That being said, I think that there are also some explanations for that. 
one of which be being we don't have time to explore every single facet of the wheel of time. No, yeah, no, I agree. I, I would say, I think, you know, as much as Robert Jordan tried to make uh, the wheel of time very, like give women more power in the wheel of time. Um, and he did a really good job of more um, women representation and characters. I, there are healthy criticisms online of the series from way back when about how much some people hate how Robert Jordan writes women. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, and that is a known criticism of the wheel of time. And part of it, I, I mean, again, coming from my male perspective, you know, this is going to be <laughs> take it for what it's for, for what it's worth. But I interpreted that as whenever a, a female character was doing something that was like um, obnoxious or annoying or somehow like, I don't know, acting a weird way. I took that as, and you know, this is a fantasy world where women have more power than, than they, you know, do in a, in like the standard Western society. And so it's kind of like this role reversal of, you see women kind of treating men in a way that men standard would do in a Western society treat women, if that makes sense. And so to me, that fit within the logical confines of this fantastic, this fantasy world of, you know, this is, this is how the gender dynamics are in here. And I think the show just accentuates that, you know, bring it. It's not saying the show isn't saying this is the ideal world. It's just saying, here's a different world, you know? And there's some bad faith uh, arguments that I think that they make here in giving quote unquote evidence for this. One of which is they like, they rag on, uh, they rag on Leandrin for saying like, oh, it's still a man's world. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do the Leandrin should we, should we, clip now. Yeah. Should we get into that? There's very little counterbalance. It seems like mm. this is the only, it's like whenever they want to make a comment on gender dynamics in the show, it's coming from Leandrin because she mm-hmm. gets to say the things that they want to be said. Yep. Because uh, look, she says this, this is from Leandrin this episode. Um, women hold the one power, but men still control much of the world. Are and- you, no, okay. Are you kidding me? Women are the only magical people in this thing. They yeah. literally have their own towers in their name, and they have men running around warding for them. And, and when men still have so there, much power, there are many female monarchs in this world. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just look at the Queen of Andor. Um, uh, I forget the country that they go to. Um, uh, and it's the you, they, you know, there's a big scene between Matt and this female leader. Mm. Um, she get and Matt wears a lot of lace and stuff. So her, their, their take is they're using Leandrin to be their um, kind of their mouthpiece to spread this agenda. Um, my initial thoughts against that are Leandrin has been built up as an antagonistic force yeah. in this show so far. You, you wouldn't want to be spreading your agenda, agenda. through someone who is built up to be I'm more sorry, this of is, an antagonist. Yeah, this is mind blowing. <laughs> like th- this is the character they're choosing to say the lines that they want to be said mm-hmm. is the character you're supposed to hate the most so far in the shouldn't, show. Shouldn't Moraine be the one spewing all of the agenda? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, okay. Which so, you, you have Moraine pointing out her contempt for men and how yeah, it's unfounded to her face. Moraine counter. Yeah. Counter, okay. But let's break down mm-hmm. this like very, very minor. I don't know what you call We're going to give some background for Leandrin here. Okay. First of all, like Jake said, she's a red. She is pointing out to her face that she has contempt for men. Second, she's from Terabon. And uh, Terabon 
first of all, it, it is an example of Robert Jordan creating a society which has a, a king and a woman. Panarch. Yeah. Panarch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Granted, the Panarch, I believe, is is selected and the king is uh, by birthright. Right. So, yeah. so, so there's a difference here. And um, in Leandrin's time, a little bit of just like lore background, the king was found out to be a channeler and was hauled off because he was a bad king. So Leandrin, because well, he, was he could school, channel. Because yeah. he could channel, right? Yeah. And so Leandrin comes from a place that had this king that was going mad, but uh, that had to get like hauled off. But he still had just as much power, if not more, than a woman in her society. So from her perspective, even if you take out the fact that this is an unreliable narrator and somebody that we don't, that like, if you had any common sense, you wouldn't write to push your quote unquote agenda. It like makes a lot of sense for her character to be saying this given her background. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's for her character. I would also add, they talk about this, um, how there's an imbalance of power in the world. And again, Wraith has said that he, he sees, and I, I agree, one of the biggest themes of the Wheel of Time is imbalance. You know, you go from having in the age of legends, you know, things were much more equal, men and women working in the power together. And then once the male half gets tainted, then only women, you know, use the power and there's this imbalance you have. That's that's just a big theme to the Wheel of Time. And so like mm-hmm. Wraith and those creating the Wheel of Time TV show are not creating what they see as the ideal world for everyone to live in, oh. where you have the Aes Sedai doing all their scheming and you have the white cloaks killing the Aes Sedai. Like this is not part of their ideal world. Yeah. This, this is, is not <laughs> some, this some is, push. This <laughs> like, is, yeah. What, what good media does is it shines a light or gives you a mirror or gives you a window to view mm-hmm. like culture and society and allow you to like think about it in a different way and said, Oh, what if we change this thing? And, and good media does that. And it says, how would that change things? How can I adjust my own worldviews, you know, mm-hmm. and based on this media, based on these viewpoints, based on these things that I'm getting to learn about and read. And that's what good media, whether it's a book or movie or TV show does. And I feel like that's what they're, yeah. that's what they, they're providing an opportunity for the viewer to do that. Now, if you take that totally in bad faith, and whenever somebody says a line that you don't agree with, then how, that's not a, in my way, in my point, a valid way to deconstruct media. If you don't, from my perspective, yeah, like you're saying, you should apply it to our world. You should see, okay, this is how this fictional character in a fantasy world is viewing the world. And I see an injustice here in this show and then think, hmm, how does this relate to the real world? What injustices do I see in the real world based off sex or gender or all these things? (laughs) That's that, to me. That'd be the the way to interpret that. No, but anyway, it's just the, okay. We, All right. I think I think we've hit this point. Uh, yeah. So let's switch. Let's switch yeah. from the the feminist thing over to the other side, where they start to argue that the show is deconstructing and devaluing men. Which is the Leandrin part was kind of part of that. Um, so this one yeah, is yeah. addressing how Lan is too emotional, too emotional, out of character, and uh, you know yeah. this scene that they're talking about the scene at Stefan's funeral where Lan does his scream, right? Like this is mm-hmm. something that when people saw this, the trailer, I remember watching the Daniel Green reaction to the trailer and he saw that scene and said, this scene could be a huge zero. Like this is terrible. This is not Lan. How could he possibly be doing that? But then you watch the show and like, it does make some sense. Anyway, let's see what they say about it. 
This is a point of comparison to show how much better land was in the books. A stoic warrior was actually far more necessary for the role and everything like this, and now they have Lan breaking down, contradicting his character. Like, breaking down, crying, screaming, rending his shirt, rubbing his nipples, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's funny. <laughs> he was though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean... ah! <laughs> yep. Yep. I think that's good enough. I don't know. If okay, I think we. Than that. I think you got the gist. Well, well, one thing I I watched the behind the scenes and Daniel Henney was talking about how he was approaching land because he knew that this was, and again, this is granted a little bit of a change from the land we get in the books. Okay, <laughs> I don't think we're going to argue that it's not, but. Daniel Henney said, you know, I don't think that Lan would be crying in this moment. And I don't, I don't know Lan's relationship with tears, as I think what he said. Mm -hmm. But I do know what Lan would could do is scream and and let let a let a scream out. And I think that shows a deep understanding of Lan as a character. And yeah, it's a little bit of a change because, you know, again, we're adapting this. They're adapting this. Mm -hmm. They need to, you know, maybe make a little bit of grief more visible on screen than it would get in in your head. But I thought that that, that interview, it was behind the scenes on episode five. I thought that showed a deep understanding of Lan's character from the actor portraying him. Yeah, I'm, for, I think it's, it's necessary to make clear that this wasn't Lan becoming overcome with emotion at the, the death of Stepan. That isn't what spurred this. Um, he was chosen to act in this funeral rite to be basically, like there's a tradition of this in lots of cultures of you're kind of like this performative mourner and so he was chosen to be the one to, you know, express that mourning. And so not only was it like some of his emotion in there as well, but it was also a performative thing. You know, this was more of a, a ceremony. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't land just sitting there at his friend's funeral. And then all of a sudden screaming, he was asked to do this. And it is a change. It's a change from yeah. the books. You yeah. can say, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, this right was added. Um, right. Well, yeah, no, right. And, and I, I hundred percent agree. Lan in the show is different than Lan in the books. He talks a lot more. He still talks the least, pretty much, of anybody, at least outside of talking to Moraine. But he does talk more. But okay. I mean, it is an it's an adaptation. But, You're going to have to make some differences. This, this was him. This was Lan acting in his duty as this as this. That's a good point. And yeah. this right. And and what's do what's Lan's favorite phrase? Right, duty is heavier than a mountain, right? Yeah. Right. I don't I don't, want, don't want to butcher this, but this was him fulfilling mm -hmm. a, a ritualistic duty that he had. And that is shown in the show. And so, yeah, I said, it might be a bit of a change, but I thought it was very emotional. It set the stakes for what, what can happen, like the grief that people can experience um, from this type of thing. And so if you didn't like it, that's fine. But showing, yeah. but but saying that this is like a deconstruction of manhood, which they get into a lot. Like they use this as an impetus to say that, like you know, they that that men should just be emotional and weak and subservient and stuff. Like again, I don't want to like put words into their mouths mm -hmm. here, but so go yeah. if you want to watch go watch the video. But like, but I don't think that that's what this was doing. Yeah, it's changing land a little bit. It's not deconstructing what a man should be in our society. It changed, yeah. yeah, for sure it changed the land, but yeah, 100% agree. Okay, let's talk about uh, the parent thing. Perfect time when Perrin could have actually done something. They give it to Egwene, and More. really, it's when Egwene stabs the guy in the back, getting free. Like, like, oh, yeah. They had to go through so much convoluted bullcrap where she just appears out of nowhere to give her the kill, not the real, I think he's probably alive, 
instead of Perrin. Okay, the logical progression of that scene is that that Perrin would do it. He would take out this guy, save Egwene, but they chose to change it. Why? Think about that. And you come to the answer. This is, like I said, mask off moment for the creators, where we are seeing changes which are clearly done because of their own worldview and agenda, which is making the show far worse than what the books are, and it's showing contempt for the books to an extreme level where they will actually inject more than half of an episode instead of what was in the books because they think they can do better. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I went through, <laughs> sorry, I'm talking a lot. I went through and broke this scene, scene down second by second. Okay. So let's just see if the logical progression of the scene is that, is that Egwene should have gotten the, gotten the kill here. For, first of all, before I do that, Jake, why don't you talk about the emotional state that Perrin was in? And, and uh, well, what, yeah, what I, I mean, I kind of agree. I don't agree with the, the agenda aspect of this. I do think this episode would have been stronger if, for my opinion, if Stepan's role was a little smaller, still carry out the same thing, and we got to see more of Egwene and Perrin. And I think it would have made sense for Perrin to then, in his, you know, that wolfish state, he comes out to accidentally kill somebody again. And something like that does happen in the books. So me as a book reader, obviously, that's where my mind goes with that. Um, but I think what they were trying to do in the show, for better or for worse, is to establish Perrin was just talking about um, uh, confessing that he killed his wife accidentally in a rage. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he was feeling that wolfish rage and was holding it back because he just, you know, he's out of control again and he doesn't want to hurt anybody. That's that's kind of how I interpreted it. You know, he's he's still very much in this emotionally fragile state because um, they kind of jumpstarted his character with the death of his wife. Right. So I, I agree that this scene could have gone either way. It could have putting Rand or parent further down this road of becoming, you know, scared of his rage. And that would have been fine. I'm not saying that like you would be wrong to think that, but to, to claim that it's this huge un unmask moment or mask off moment because they had to go and get this kill. And later on, they go on to say that there's like no way that she like magically teleported from her restraints and like, sh well, sh then they didn't say there's no way to, they just say she teleported. <laughs> she, she teleported. Okay, I went through, this is what I want to point out. I went through the scene, broke it down second by second, and it took Egwene four seconds to burn through the rope, burn through Perrin's rope using the one power, four on-screen seconds, okay? There were 12 seconds in which it showed Valda being distracted by Egwene and Egwene stabbing it. So if it took her the same amount of time, it would have, she would have had more than enough time to burn through her own restraints, grab the knife and stab, stab Valda. It's like, perfectly in keeping with what happened in the scene, what her powers are shown to be. So there's a perfectly reasonable on-screen, you know, way for her to get this kill. And I can't stress enough how long they go over in this video, how dumb it was that there's no way that she could have been able to do that. It was just a mask off. Like we didn't really show a lot of that in our clip. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't see the agenda there. I, I see it as if anything, they're like, okay, we need to make sure, um, both characters have something to do in this scene once they're free, you know, because it yeah. wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Like it, did, it wouldn't make sense logically for Egwene to free Perrin and then do nothing, you know, she would free herself and then she still wouldn't do nothing. You know, she would do something. Yeah. And I think they made Perrin freeze for maybe not freeze. Maybe he was just like overcome. I don't know. I think, I think they didn't want 
I wonder if they were thinking, you know, he's still struggling with this violence. If we have him commit more violence here, that could be. That's the way I interpreted it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think that's, I think that is a uh, critiquable point though, whether or not he should have been the one to. I think the storytelling decision is, is, is the critique. Of yeah, how you the storytelling decision. Yeah, the agenda yeah. thing. I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm yeah. not understanding the agenda thing there. The, the agenda thing is that you can't have a man get the kill when a woman. And that, you know, what I mean, like, I, I don't think that that's anyway. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think there's some misconstruing of, of that part, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Lan knocks out Nynaeve, right? Like yeah. straight up knocks her out. <laughs> yeah, there are yeah. there are men overpowering <laughs> women. <laughs> in this I, show i mean Perrin overpowers a woman in episode Perrin definitely overpowers a woman Ooh. too soon <laughs> yikes okay yeah I, I think that's always too soon okay that last right. la- last bit of uh the, criticism the here yeah yeah, um, yeah. so and, this is discussing oh go ahead josh i was just gonna say again for this part like this is we we don't want to come off as like offensive and we don't want to platform offensive things so this is, you know, a sensitive subject and we're going to do our best to handle it appropriately. This is, we're getting into the step in thing uh, and yeah. specifically like the, the joking that him and Lan do about potentially like joining um, Alana's Alana, warders. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, as warders and as uh, potential yeah. lovers and the sexual implications there. And, and this was a very big part of their video and their follow up video. So while after I watched them this morning, actually, but I remembered these ones, so they're not in order. But so you know the guy with the twin axes who's really depressed that this person died. Mm-hmm. I love how he's just like, oh, I'll go with this other woman who's like, she has all of her warders. Two other warders, yeah. And I'm just thinking he's just like, well, guess I'll gay now. <laughs> I've written that down too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, do we do we keep going or? I just thought I, the, this is the first time I've noticed that the guy on the on screen right he just puts his hand up for a high five and just leave, gets left hanging. <laughs> anyway, that's why I was I laughing, just, not because of what he said was funny. I guess I'll just be. And here's the thing. Are you like, kidding me? Here's the thing. He's like, then I I thought he seriously considered it, and then he commits suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that will because I have a criticism about how they're basically betrayed, because they did it with Rand as well. It's like, if I wanted a man, I could do better than... Uh, sorry, Rand says, if I wanted a man, I could do better than Matt. It's like they're trying to say that um, anyone who's straight, they're kind of implying you could be gay, and you might like it. Just just open, keep keep the just, consideration open, you know? Yeah. I, thought the Rand jo- I thought the Rand joke on Matt was funny. That was funny. Nice little, nice little dig on, on Matt. Well, yeah, like that's all that was. And they no one was suggesting Rand and Matt should be gay. Yeah. What the 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 only thing that happened there was she met two men traveling together and was like, oh, you know, that's a reasonable assumption that they could be together romantically. And well it's I like mean, if it's like if you ask if somebody has a girlfriend, because she was obviously trying to seduce Rand. You know, yeah. so even if she yeah. didn't say that, I'd be like, oh, you're, how's your girlfriend doing? Oh, I don't yeah. know. You know. The, I think this whole segment is steeped in the idea that the default is everybody's sexuality is straight and any deviance from that is seen as like threatening to that. I mean, yeah. this is, there, there's a, yeah, there's a lot. And, Again, like we try to, we try to preface this We're we're not really like experts at talking about these things. Like from, you know, like we said, we're, 
cis straight white males. So we're like, obviously don't have a lot of experience when it comes to these things, but I think it's pretty, pretty clear that there's some internal biases going on there. It, I would say, first of all, with the Steppen thing, we don't know Steppen's sexuality in the show at all. As I don't, I mean, I'd have to go back and rewatch it. It says I don't that think he's never been with a man. He That's... says he's never been with a man, but it doesn't, it doesn't ever say he's never been ro- like had romantic feelings for a man or sexual attraction towards a man. Like you, you don't know. Again, this goes back to me. Like the default is, oh, he must be straight. And now that they're talking about anything that isn't that way is, is, is offensive and somehow like forcing him to fit this. And, and I'm sorry, but like, it is extremely offensive to imply as they did. And I'm going to say it's like homophobic and they, they hated when people called them homophobes because apparently they have gay friends, but it was extremely homophobic. Even if it was just a joke to imply that he committed suicide after yeah, like yeah. after yeah. thinking that he might be in a gay relationship men which nobody was going to force him to do first but yeah second it, of all like that's just extremely like even if it's done in a joking way you still if if we somehow like got said that in a phantology episode we would edit that crap out because that's not what any of us stand for or like would want to come across and they posted that and right. they backed it up in a follow-up video so it wasn't just something that like slipped out and somebody thought it was funny and, and continued, they continued, and continued along this vein to make some offensive jokes. Yeah, and, and we we are we cut out a lot of offensiveness. We we had to leave something in there to frame we're, what we're saying. But we're really trying not to um, <laughs> really trying not to attack them personally at all. And but it's hard when we see this type of rhetoric being spread to not criticize it for what it is. Um, and we're you know we're trying to keep this as much as it can be to address their critiques of. The Wheel of Time TV show. And I mean, this was one of their critiques for it, but it was also so intermixed with yeah, like toxic um homophobic rhetoric, rhetoric again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, toxic homophobic rhetoric. Um, anyways, lots, lots to not be uh there's just a lot wrong with what was said there. And one point that you had written down, Josh, as well, to just like directly combat the whole narrative in the in like in the show, what was going on in the show was he might've just been saying whatever he was saying to yeah. like put Rand at, to put not Rand, to put land at ease, land at ease. Right. Because he's trying to trick him. And to be clear, we're not saying that he would like by writing that down uh, by saying that that's not saying that like, there's no way that he would have been like, he would have had a desire to be in that relationship. We're not saying that that would be like a bad thing. We're saying that there's an on-screen reason why he might not have been considering that if he was straight like he was just trying to mm-hmm. like vanities that's yeah. not saying he was straight. i think there it's are lots of better yeah. what we're trying to say is that there are lots of different possible reasons why this scene was happening the way it was other yeah. than the criticism that is being so, promoted here and throughout the our yeah movie. so to i think to clarify things uh the way i understand it the main criticism here is they think the Wheel of Time TV show creators were trying to push this agenda that everyone should consider being gay at some point, whether they are or not, like they should have it open to be considered about themselves and like explore that option. That's, and from here, this is not what that is. This is, I will like, again, I think this is an opportunity and uh, an attempt for the show to be more inclusive and more modern and progressive 
for today's world. Like it would mm -hmm. be weird if they had exclusively heterosexual relationships in the show, you know, like that doesn't reflect because they uh, didn't society the time. and, 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 and because they the books and, and our society. Yeah. That's another, yeah, that's another good point. And in the book, like in the white tower, like yeah. one of the things that is really common is the idea yeah. of fellow friends, which is yeah. basically what you just said, Jake, which is like experimentation. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is it, it fits like, it fits in a, like, it reflects our society. It fits the, the wheel of times society. Um, and none of it was meant to be this agenda pushing. This was all just land trying to comfort a friend and him trying to pass everything off as like, Oh yeah, it's okay. You know, I'll probably join Alana because you know, that's what land wants to hear because land wants him land wants to feel comfortable that he's going to be okay. That's even if he was okay. considering it in the moment, I still don't think that's like, an agenda yeah. pushing thing like, no yeah even if it, yeah yeah it's anyway. like yeah none of it none of it was agenda pushing the only the only agenda that was being pushed that i could see is uh representation and inclusivity <laughs> no one is i like no one, no agenda is being said that i don't know <laughs> in, in like a minimalistic in like a bare minimum way right like yeah a, bare minute yeah, yeah yeah not, not like even, a, not preachy or anything it's yeah. to me what this looks like is when you have something that's been suppressed for so long, like being able to show any sort of like homosexuality or anything that is not like, doesn't conform with heterosexuality on screen, it's been suppressed for so long. As soon as it starts being not suppressed, then it feels like it's being highlighted just because people aren't used to being seen as much. And that's the type of thing I get from these guys on Nightwatch. They're not used to seeing this type of representation. So even the littlest amount comes across as too strong for them. So before we get too into, you know, a full on <laughs> ideology thing, um, I think that's a wrap for our, yeah. our critiques of the critiques. Was Wheel of Time too woke? Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. We don't want you to, I mean, we obviously uh, told you what our opinions are, but uh, yeah. let us know what yours are. Again, please uh, don't be toxic. Watch my video at the beginning of this playlist where I tell you to please not be toxic. I'm, I'm saying that again. Don't be toxic. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, it is the internet and this is YouTube. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have cool. one more of these reviews, which is going to be diving into the differences between the show and the books. Did they do it faithfully enough or not? So uh, tune in for that one. Welcome back, White Cloaks. Um, this is going to be another episode deconstructing some of the common criticisms we've seen of the Wheel of Time on Prime TV show. I have, or my name is Jake, and from Phantology, I have Josh here. Um, how you doing, Josh? Pretty good. If we seem a little rusty, it's because we don't have our stal stalwart, steady <laughs> hand, Stephen, uh, guiding us through this episode. We're just going to have to try and do it by ourselves. Yeah, he's been... Uh, our fearless leader in getting this, uh, these episodes going. Um, speaking of, um, this is kind of part of a series, deconstructing some of these criticisms, ranging from plot holes to, is the show pushing a too woke agenda to changes from the book, which we'll be addressing here. But Stephen made a good introduction video to the series and we might be continuing it, but watch his introduction video to try to get a sense for what our goal here really is. We're not trying to, you know, attack anybody or start any fights. We're really trying to look at these 
um, arguments we've seen that seem to be a little more um, uh, drastic and really break them down and see why are they or why are they not valid um, and kind of look at it from all angles. And like we're saying, we're not trying to like say, wow, these guys are dumb for having this opinion. No, people have different opinions. We're just going to try to break down, you know, the validity of those opinions according to our own <laughs> Our own opinion, but yeah. <laughs> I will say one thing they claim in this, and I don't know if we have a clip for this or not, but uh, Shad multiple times claims that if you like this adaption, then you can't be as big of a fan as he is uh, because the adaption is showing quote unquote contempt for the source material. And so if you like that, then it must be because you also have some sort of uh, contempt. Yeah, and let's, uh, people have different opinions on a wide variety of things. You can love the books more than anyone else, but not really care if a TV show matches it. That doesn't yeah. mean you don't love the books more or less than someone else. All it means is your mind views those as two separate things and they don't interfere with each other. You know, you have and, a wide range. Of that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that with some, some of the way that Brandon Sanderson has talked about that. We also yeah. have a mutual friend um, who is the one that really pushed me to read Wheel of Time. He's been a lifelong friend of mine. And he loves the books probably more than anyone I know. Um, and he has, you know, things that he doesn't like about the adaption, but he also has things that he likes about the adaption. And, uh, and so like, there's a, yeah, yeah. It's there's interesting. A lot of ways there's, to view this, right? There, like, there's, there's things that um, like he and I, I'm like, this really bothered me about the show. And he's like, oh, I didn't care about that. And there's things he's like, this really bothered me about the show. And I'm like, oh, I don't care about that. And we, yeah. we both love the books, but, you know, obviously different things stand out to different people. Anyways, yeah. this was just so you can know opinions are different, but we're going to get in to um, uh, watch this clip. Give me the most clear point of reference and quality of the, like, the books are great. And so therefore, if you change anything, I can gauge what you did versus the books to see what's better. Yeah. Okay. And, and nearly in every instance, and I've even pointed out one where I thought it was actually a slight improvement, but so far on everything else nearly, every change has been worse, drastically so. And episode four, you might say, you know, there were so many changes. Episode four was actually quite accurate to a lot of, you know, things that happened. So, yeah, his point was, um, the books are the ultimate, you know, litmus test. Is it better than the books and you're doing a good job? If you're not meeting the books, then you're doing a poor job. What do you think about that, Josh? Well, I think that's missing the point of what an adaption is. Like, yeah, if, yeah, I think that in general, I like it when adaptions try and stick to stick to the source material. Um, but there's times when that that can't happen, and there's times when there's adaptions are better than the books, and there's time when times when they're worse. And I honestly, I, I think that's what he's saying though, right? Like he's disappointed when he views something as worse than the books, because he's like, if you didn't know how to do it, just do it the way the books do it at least. Cause that's like the default line or do it better, you know? Right. And I, I don't think that there's anything in and of itself that's, that's wrong with that opinion, but also like, I don't feel like they're uh, giving the show a fair shake and we haven't finished even the first season yet. Like, yes, episodes really like should be able to stand on their own, but that would be like taking, you know, reading up to like halfway throughout Eye of the World and being like, 
this book is the most boring book I've ever read. And it's just a trope of Lord of the Rings. And it's so bad, blah, 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 which a lot of people do. And I know it really triggers a lot of Wheel of Time fans. And like, you're kind of doing the same thing here. So. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this. I, like, I, I see that point. Like, we don't know, we don't see the whole picture yet, but there are, I think there are valid criticisms and the changes that have been made from the books where it's pretty apparent. It's not like those are going to be fixed in the next yeah. few episodes or even in the next few seasons. It's like, that's what it is. And if you think those changes are worse, then it, that's, that's the way it lands. Um, yeah. I, so I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to be like disappointed that, you know, the books are right here and you're adapting things to right here. Why aren't you just doing better? My pushback against that sentiment would be what is better or worse is so subjective that I'm sure what Wraith and the team are trying to do is make things as good as the books or better. I'm sure they're like, yeah. that's their main goal. There are times where I bet they're like, you know, we just can't do this. This isn't going to work. So we're going to have to change it. And the change is going to be slightly worse or maybe a lot worse, but we have to, you know, there's other constraints yeah. going. My, so, yes, yeah, so I guess to finish out my, my thought here is, it's, it's an adaptation. Things are going to have to change. And from what I've seen, there are many changes I'm not a fan of. And there are many things that happen in the series that I, I don't really like. But you can tell that a lot of thought and effort has been put into the series. And we kind of talked about this in our earlier segment. But to me, I don't see any agenda other than people really loving The Wheel of Time and trying to make the best adaptation they can with the resources they have with the constraints they have. And so I think it's 100% valid to be disappointed in things. I think it's 100% valid if you hate the show, totally fine. But you have to understand that it's it cannot be a one-to-one -one adaptation of the books. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think that for one, um, you have a much longer history with the Wheel of Time than I do, right? And so I think that there is more disappointment that's gonna come. Yeah. Than, not seeing this. I mean, granted, I started reading the books 10, like 12 years ago. So I have a pretty long history too, but they weren't as fundamental in shaping me as they were. And um, I think that I agree with you that there are things that um, I have been disappointed in and it is totally, you know, valid to hate the show. Um, but what, what I don't think is valid and what I see a lot of is like you said, people like claiming that Rafe is doing this just to push agenda that they, that he has contempt for the source material and that the yeah. only reason he's making these changes is because he has contempt for the book or he thinks that he can do it better. Like there's a change from uh, an adaption is not just thinking that you can do it better. It's thinking that this might work better for the adaption, right? Like the change yeah. of the change of having Perrin kill his wife and they, they didn't really talk about this. So I'm not going to be using what they said, but like, the, the change of having Perry killing his wife versus killing a white cloak. That is a, that is a change. And you can like a bad faith argument, I think is to say, Oh, well, they just thought that they were doing it better. I think that you can say that it didn't work as well for you, or you don't like the change or like Brandon Sanders said, and said that that would deal too much trauma to parent. Like all of these are very valid criticisms, but you, you have to go back to like, they were trying to make an adaption. And my wife who's never read the books like that drew her in and seeing, mm. and she, she said multiple times that that like made her really care about parent and how, how he was going to deal with that. And like, it wasn't, you know, so they put effort into 
lot of these changes. And that's that's a yeah. change that's not like a constraint. That's a change that they that they didn't need to do by a constraint from like a budget or what it, it was more of a story storytelling choice. And I don't think that you have to just jump to assume that contempt was the reason that they made a change. It might have been because they were trying to a good adaption. Yeah, you kind of have to give people the benefit of the doubt. We don't know. Like I think if this if there weren't any fan um interactions with the wheel of time production if it was just like you heard the wheel of time was being adapted nothing else until the show came out and then you watched it you saw this i think it'd be valid to say like oh these changes were made probably because they're amazon's just trying to make money you know Mm -hmm. that's why they're that is the whole reason amazon is putting out the wheel of time to make money there there is an agenda here it's to make amazon money right yeah we can we can and and you know they're paying us for this review so you know (laughs) oh yeah yeah um so i mean i think it's fair to have that mentality if that were the case but that wasn't like we got so much interaction with rafe um with all the production team um is it sarah nakamura who is the uh like the they have they hired a wheel of time book expert to to like bounce ideas off of to say like hey if this happened what are the ramifications here and she like writes essays back to them saying this is what this one change will do and then they have to like kind of grapple with that and be like okay do we can we still make this change can we not if we can't like what do we need to do so i mean it's just been so apparent to me if you've been following the whole production that so much and like love has been poured into this like let, you hear let, about let, rafe Sorry, go ahead. Well, just let alone having Harriet, uh, who is yeah. Robert Jordan's wife and editor, yeah. involved, and having Brandon Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson to feed, yeah. feedback on the scripts and send, and not making it and allowing him to come on. He did. We're, we're going to get into this interview with Dan Wells um, that he did, but he's allowed to badmouth the show, and he has like posted on Reddit the feedback that he gave to Rafe, and he has said things that he doesn't like about the show. Like, so no, Sanderson's not under like a. Um, I don't. I don't want to say he's not under an NDA because there are probably aspects that he, no, he's, he said he for. He said he, he said he's, he's allowed to uh, critique. He's not the show under. And, he's not under a non-disparaging right agreement. Yeah. So but, yeah, he's open. Anyways, well that we'll we'll yeah, get into we'll, that we'll a little later on. But but, um, but my point was like if you like if you remember Rafe talking about um, when he first started really the will of reading the will of time and how much it meant to him and helped like his childhood and his relationship with his mom like this is someone who is like <laughs> loved this this uh work of art so anyways should we watch the next clip <laughs> um well well i want to talk about something that I, I don't think we have on the notes but i but i think it's i think it's a potential change that a lot of people seem very concerned about this isn't even a change but uh we'll put in the night the clip of the night's watch talking about and oh man they're setting something up there've been so many prophecies i even heard from a, a greenman that it could be a many-headed dragon oh man or woman many-headed and so no they're gonna do it a woman i think they? they're gonna do it there's no this thing i didn't think i i felt change the dragon would be too far and i agree with that but now they think i think i think they can justify it by they're not going to change the dragon they're going to make them all the dragon which That's, is essentially changing, but it's, it's like they're trying to justify. We haven't really changed it. The original dragon is still the dragon, but they're all all the dragon. They're all the dragon. Yeah. My question is: I said I, back I, in episode one that they'd make a woman the dragon. 
I said over and over again, they'd do it. Yeah. Would I technically still be right if all of them are? See, it, it depends on context, mm. okay? Were you meaning that it would be solely a woman and no one else? I think that's what you're meaning, that and I still think I that's wrong. Yeah. yeah. But still, the fact that they'd make it a woman, even though it's only meant to be a dude. But, because again, I think, but this, I wouldn't put it past them, and they are setting it up. These are lines in the show, and then even Swan says, would the wheel split the dragon's soul into many? And, oh boy, this is bad. Because that's a line from Suan that is setting up the law in this show that a soul of an individual can be split into multiple people. And she says it without, that's impossible, it can't happen. She says it in the context that this could be something that we all could do. Yeah. That's the Chekhov's gun. Holy crap. If we can have male, female dragon, can we have Holy male Aes Sedai? No. Oh, can we have male ambulance no. If they are going to make the dragon multiple people... Oh, they they have contempt for the book. They they like that is such a massive change and it's wholly political. Why it, it it's literally they think it's problematic for a cis white male to be the hero. Yep. They it has to and oh no, women playing second fiddle, they have to win. These they're such bigots. They really are. And there's they they have a bias against like traditional masculinity mm -hmm. and also traditional relationships because they're all they're pushing the agenda and they're changing characters you know and uh, oh, it's just all on display I, how oh, they are pissing on the wheel of time's legacy with this like it really are and they're calling it rain oh my goodness and i look that's the setup. I'm not sure I could deny it. I think that's really where they're going to go now. But after that, after they can get people to accept that, they can change anything they want. Yeah. Okay, so let's just debunk that a little bit. First, um, I want to read off a, a quote from Rafe. So one, I don't know if they're aware of this quote, but they're pulling tweets, you know, and, and Night's Watch and people on White Cloak are pulling quotes from, you know, three years ago, tweets that Rafe sent and using it as evidence. So I think it's fine to use an interview he gave a few months ago as evidence. Okay, so Rafe says, this is in an interview with Deadline. Um, he says, one thing we're trying to hide from the audience is who the Dragon Reborn is. That is a change from the book. It's not really hidden much from the that's, audience. That's a the better Dragon change. Reborn is. I think that, everyone would agree that's a better change. Well, okay, but regardless if you do or don't, like that is a change from the book. So that is a change. Um, he said, people who have read the books will know, of course, the first book is told from the Dragon Reborn's perspective, but the whole book series is an ensemble piece. So he came out and said in this interview, not like super explicitly, but he said, people who know, people who have read the book will know who the Dragon Reborn is. Yeah. So let's put to bed all of this, like this I pearl think, clutching. I think this this like, can go in like the, the woke agenda episode almost. As yeah, well. <laughs> it can go in the woke agenda episode, but there's like this so much pearl clutching of the fact that they are leading up to changing who the dragon reborn is. And there's like that conversation between Swan and uh, Moraine. And she's like, oh, it could a be a many-headed dragon, or it could be a man, or it could be a woman. Like, yeah, some of these are minor changes from the book lore. I'm not saying that they're not, but like, and he pointed, he, Shad straight up says that it, this is Chekhov's gun. Like they wouldn't just be saying that. And no, that's called a red herring. Like yeah. there are red herrings in literature and media in misdirection. We are getting the same <laughs> dragon as is from the books, according to this quote from Rafe. And if they change it and I have to eat these words, fine, but we're getting told from Rafe. 
What, that they're not. What's the spoiler rating on this uh, episode? Is it all well, books? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. Is want it at least through books. book one? I, I think. I think we hinted at. Uh, we might need to cut. Let's this not out, spoil I, anything. Let's I think we've anything. we've already you've already hinted that it's not the mini-headed dragon okay, thing yes, by including not. this clip. And again, yeah, I think I I don't know if if they just weren't aware of of a lot but, of this production being, stuff. Being charitable, yeah, being charitable to them, maybe they weren't aware of that quote. But, but it shows that their fears are unfounded. It shows that yeah, it shows uh, that their fears are unfounded. And frankly, like again, if you are putting this <laughs> these critiques out to like they have thousands of subs and thousands and thousands of views on their YouTube videos. Like, I, I'm not saying that you can't get a fact wrong, but I'm saying if this is like a main part of your argument, like, yeah, maybe do a little research. Like this is not a hard article to find. And All right. You're pulling well, out tweets from year, three years ago about the. Okay. I'm not sure what tweets you're talking about, but let's move on to the, the next part. Cause I think okay. we spent enough time on that. That was, a, um, that's an important point. Go on. Are, like there are so many people saying, well, they're obviously going to change who the dragon is. No, they're not, guys. Like, they're not. It, okay. All right. We're trying to deconstruct the, the arguments here. <laughs> and uh, just that. All right. Um, so this is going to be talking about, um, I think that uh, we'll just watch the clip and discuss afterwards. I'll let you know. This is a new one. And I'll, uh, but so they could have had great things from the book that they cut, not because they had lacked time, but now because they wanted to put in their own bullcrap, mm. right? And this is where, when I talk about signs of the writers, the showrunner ever showing contempt for the original material, where they cut something that didn't need to be cut and their choice to change it made it objectively worse, which is a sign of the creators thinking they know better. The show was imper- sorry, the books were imperfect. We can improve it. Let's make the books better by making arbitrary, subjective changes to our own tastes and agenda, which we will get to, yes. to improve it. No, there are- this is a mask-off moment All right. for the creators about pushing really specific uh, their view of the world, what's correct, what's right, and all that stuff and injecting it into a classic great story because they think they know better, they can do better, and these are problematic elements in the book that needs to be fixed. Screw you! Like, seriously! They literally have cut things for the purpose of changing it to interject their own stories and interpretations on the show. That literally takes over half an episode because they know better and they're just they're just pleasuring themselves watching this episode, thinking they're so great. Yeah, and Shad, this is what I've... And I'll be charitable with this. I'll try to be, like, center ground. Mm. This is what I was talking about with the whole woke viewpoint, is that all the things you like, they're problematic. I just realized <laughs> that um, I'm sharing my screen, and you can see I've disliked this video. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I started laughing a little bit. And, and to be fair, I did dislike this video. And the reason I did... I don't want, I, I just really don't want people to think that we're like trying to like pick a fire, like, like ad hominem anything. I just like the video because I thought 99% of the, the claims made were just bogus. bogus and they weren't, they weren't well supported as you can tell from our, like this whole series we're doing. Apparently that's how Reef gets off this by watching his, <laughs> his episode. Okay. But, um, all right, so this is basically, I think they're, they're mainly talking about like 
removing Camelin, inserting Tarvalon, and having this whole episode mainly focused around Stepin. Um, we already kind of talked about the, the woke agenda part they talked about. Um, but so this change from Camelin to Tarvalon, the claim is this was done because they have contempt for the source material, thought we can make this better so that we're going to make a change. Okay. So let's, let's, let's down Camelin for a little bit because that's what he said. You know, that's mm -hmm. what he implied that they should have done. First of all, anybody who's been remotely following <coughs> um, the show has knows that Camelin was cut for a few reasons. And they, they bring this up later, which, which kind of annoys me because they, they show that they're aware of this later on. I don't know if it's this in this episode, the review of episode six, but Camelin was cut for two main reasons. One is because of budget building Camelin is going to be expensive. And yeah, they, they make the point later on that, like, even if it looks bad, you would rather have it stick to the source. Um, I mean, obviously that's just a creative difference that like they have, you know, obviously they want the show to look really good. Um, and so they felt like they didn't have the budget. This is kind yeah, of I, doing an adaption. I, I, I think the, the main things with Camelin is sets was a, was a big expense. I heard about that. And then also casting um, yeah, the main cool. players in Camelin that you would meet in Camelin um, in book one don't really have a big role until later on. Um, and what would be towards the, the middle or end of season two and even extended. And they, Rafa talked about how it's hard to get good casting for someone who's going to have a cameo in the beginning and then later become more important. Like you can, it's easier to find someone who's important for a long segment and then is gone. And then, you know, maybe has a cameo later than it yeah. is to get people to commit to this long thing. And so I, I think that's a combination of budgetary constraints and um, casting, which is again, a part of budgetary constraints. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, they, he does address these things later on. It's in this episode or the next, but he said he would rather have them, you know, maybe get a different actor or um, make the sets look cheap. And, and you know, you can have that opinion. I'm not saying that's wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's not what they chose to do. And I don't think that them choosing not to do that is showing contempt for the yeah. source material. I, I think this, it's them making, having to make really hard decisions about how to adapt the story. And yeah, for they, me, it, yeah. it seems pretty clear that it was a change of due to restraints or constraints rather than yeah. a change of contempt. That, that's like the least. Well, definitely. I mean, a change of contempt. There's no way we can prove or disprove that. But a change in terms of, OK, this isn't that good. We need to make it better. Let's make this change. It didn't like it didn't come off that way at all. Like when I when I look at the facts here, it seems like it's much more uh, we have this constraint. We need to make a change. And then once that change was made, you know, how can we, how can we move on from here and in the best way possible? So, so we also have a note here about um, Stepan adds this emotional beat to the story. Did you want to talk about well, that? Yeah. So, so I think a more valid criticism and, and something that I think a lot of mainstream Wheel of Time review um, have talked about is this choice to add Step into the story. I think this one is rightfully a little bit more controversial because um Cutting Camelin is one thing, but they could have filled that time, you know, more centered on um, on Perrin and Egwene or Matt and Rand or given more opportunities for other characters to have some time to grow. And that's not what they decided to do. And mm -hmm. so I think that this, there is more validity into th them thinking that they could do this better. I think that's well, a very, well, I, let me say, I think that this is a very uncharitable 
reading of this change, but I think that there's more evidence than like cutting cam. cam. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Obviously they made it like there's a change in screen time and adding this step in thing. And I don't know, it's, I just don't think you can prove or disprove whether like the reasons why they did in terms of contempt or because they thought they knew better like this hubris or anything. They're trying to make a good show. A lot of people like that episode. I personally found it to be one of the weaker ones for a lot of the points that were made um, by the Night's Watch of. This, I just in think, my opinion, is the most valid point they make in any of the ones in the series we've talked about. And, but I mean, right. I guess I don't need to get into it, but that's just an opinion, you know, that yeah. that like a like or preference when it comes down to that. I don't think there's any facts to show that um, this change from the book was due to contempt. Um, we are kind of running out of time. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, let me just say that again, my my wife, that's not a reader, really liked this episode. And I think that they did need an emotional beat. Um, I think that there wasn't there to this point in the story, there hadn't been a lot of like really, really human stuff showing. Um, I think that yeah, there are other parts of that I could have pulled that from. And I kind of wish they would have, but they didn't. And I don't think anyway, yeah, let's move on. This next part talks about how um Night's Watch believes that. Brandon Sanderson is dissatisfied with the adaptation we have currently of the Wheel of Time TV show. Well, I would try and find a way to uh, voice certain things. And mm. one of the things that, for me, explains a lot, um, again, this is me reading into it, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but Brandon has been very, very clear that this is another turning of the wheel. It's not the original Wheel of Time. And for me, that's actually a f far more severe condemnation on the show than people realize. Yep. Hmm. Brandon, as a fan of the books, cannot compare it to the books, okay? He is trying to consider this as divorced from the source material as possible and only judge it on that. And he has said nothing, literally nothing, in regards to how he feels about this show as a fan, mm. right? like comparing it to the books. Mm. In my opinion, that says a lot. That's very telling. <laughs> okay? So they make a few points. Uh, the, they basically say... And Shad knows Brandon Sanderson, I think, relatively well. He's credited in some of Sanderson's works. As, and so I think that they know each other relatively well, um, for sure. Like, you know, um, yeah, not, not that we know, not that we know Sanderson. He claims, and something that I think that we have seen from the internet, is that Sanderson is a very genuinely, very, very nice person. You know, he will take the time to like, make people feel comfortable and so they kind of use this very valid uh, character trait that Sanderson has as being like overly, maybe overly charitable and very just nice and says, well, that's just, that's the only reason why he's not coming out and really critiquing the show is because he's friends with Rafe and he's going to be, he's just such a nice guy that he's not going to say what he really. Yeah. And uh, we can show, um, this clip from Brandon Sanderson, what he has said about the adaptation so far. Uh, interestingly, my contract does not have non-disparagement. Um, I am allowed to say oh. whatever I want um, um, about the show in any way. That is interesting. Um, I generally like to respect what people are doing, and I happen mm -hmm. to really like um, what they're doing with the Wheel of Time, but I am allowed to say I hate it if I do. <laughs> if you do. Uh, in fact, I warned Rafe ahead of time. I'm like, if you bring me on, this is one of the things. Um, I will need to be able to tell it straight to the Wheel of Time fans. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. he said, I'm okay with that. Yeah, 
I guess going back to what you said about Night's Watch saying they that Brandon Sanderson is too nice to give a full critique. I I don't really think that's the case. If you he's been posting reviews of each episode on Reddit, um, his like little uh, not really reviews, but more like a behind the scenes breakdown and his thoughts on it. And he he like readily calls out what he doesn't like about the yeah. adaptation. He calls out what he does like. Um, and I I don't know him and maybe Shad like knows him well enough to know this, but especially after watching a lot of Sanderson's podcast episodes, he's really good at critiquing things that he, you know, like whenever they go over uh, the movies they do or do not oh, like. Sanderson has like a lot that. of interesting media. <laughs> media yeah, I don't, I don't agree with a lot of his, his, uh, his takes there, but I'm, I'm just saying like, I've seen him be critical and it doesn't seem like this at all. He's, he's pretty open with things that he isn't a fan of, um, but he also does, I will agree, it does seem like he sees, you know, the world in a little more positive lens here. But also, like, I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to balance all this. But my main takeaway would be, you can't put words in someone's mouth. You have, like, all you can and do use, is... And use it as evidence to, like, bolster your claims. Yeah, yeah, especially like, come that. come on, but yeah. You, you can't put words in his mouth. Brandon has said what he has said about the Wheel of Time. And that's all we can go off of. If you want to use him to support your opinions one way or the other, use what he has said, you know, <laughs> like we, you have record of it. Um, I, calling Brandon has called it, you know, another turning of the wheel of time, which I really liked that. I heard that at the beginning of production because that really framed it in a way to help me accept more changes. And, but I think it's a brilliant move because it works like with Canon and the show, you know, like, history repeats itself every cycle like every full turn of the wheel um and it's like the same but it's different anyways it is it's another turning of the wheel you can think of it that way you can think of it as a portal stone world like a mirror world you know you can't say that him calling it that means he secretly hates it or you know you don't read between the lines when when someone is is like posting what their thoughts on something you just you you accept what they say you know yeah <laughs> and, and and that's really the thing here is like you can he he makes the point that he just he knows that sanderson can see these like flagrant contemptuous things that happen in the show and how and he knows that sanderson is talented enough so how could he not like it like that just shows to me that there's a lack of seeing other people's viewpoints as valid right like yeah and, and i think it's pretty evident that shad and brandon sanderson have pretty different worldviews on a lot of things and so yeah. it makes sense that their their like assessment of media and like adaptations here are it's going to be different like people people have different opinions you know wait but. Jake, people have different <laughs> opinions on stuff yeah i don't this this episode is kind of meandering what we're trying to do is effectively look at their claims um, about are these changes from the book valid criticisms of the TV show? I think for, for a lot of it, I think it can be because this is really subjective. I think you can see any change from the book and, and feel disappointed by it. I think that's totally valid. And, and Brandon Sanderson says that himself, you know, like he says he liked the Wheel of Time, but like everyone should be allowed to dislike it if they dislike it, you know? Yeah. That, that is a very valid thing. Like you don't have to like it just because you're a fan of the books doesn't mean you have to be a fan of the show just because you 
are a fan of the show doesn't mean you have to be the fan of the books, you know? I, I think that where you get into a little bit of murkiness is when you is when you start um, putting forth reasons for these changes outside of story reasons and yeah. into agenda driven things. And I know that yeah. I, I know that we're gonna get called out because Rafe has said that like wants to make it more progressive and he wants and I think he has a joke about like if people hate what you're doing, then you just make their character their favorite characters. I've heard that. Joke. Yeah, that, I think you sent that tweet, and I'm pretty That's sure he's joking about that because all of the <laughs> gay characters that have been in the Wheel of Time are also gay in the books, or you know, um, and so yeah. so like yeah. Again, this has been a little bit more meandering because a lot of this is subjective, but you wouldn't get that. That's not what Night's Watch says. Like that that by us saying that, that's like really de- that's us flagrantly disagreeing with a lot of what Night's Watch says because mm. they say that a lot of these changes there is they're fundamentally in, in like for sure changes that make the make it a worse make it worse and show contempt and I think that's just a fundamental understanding of yeah that's definitely and and that, yeah we've covered a lot of the changes already previously but I think I think that covers um, most of what we had noted out here for this uh, this first part. Uh, we may continue this series as more critiques come out, but uh, let us know what, what you guys think. Like, how did you think our takes compared to um, the clips we shared from Night's Watch and Brandon Sanderson? And um, like we've said before, if you have negative comments, please post them all on our YouTube channel on, uh, on this episode on our YouTube because YouTube loves it, you know. Um, if you want to have a civil discussion, come over to Discord. You know, we we love to discuss, and we love the fact that we have this new iteration of the Wheel of Time. We still have the books. We have this new one, and we can have a difference of opinion. So, <laughs> all right, thanks, Jake. All right, well, uh, like and subscribe, do all that stuff. Check us out on Discord, and we'll see you guys later.